Welcome to Hindsight, the podcast where I talk about games from my past. Today's episode is on the game Danganronpa. Danganronpa is a visual novel video game released on the PlayStation 3 in the late 2000s, early 2010s. This game is the first in a series with two main sequels, Danganronpa V2 and Danganronpa V3, as well as a few side games. Each main title focuses on a group of ultimates, school children prodigies who possess or have cultivated incredible ability. These abilities range wildly from math to gymnastics to sewing to acting. You'll find just about everything represented in the series throughout the various cast of Ultimates. I mentioned that Danganronpa is a visual novel game, and while I would argue that's true, it's also primarily a detective point-and-click adventure, with a lot of mystery elements. It's not like a typical visual novel, as there aren't really any romantic options, though there are plenty of interpersonal relationships. The game takes place in three different modes, mainly. Exploration, interaction, and confrontation. In the exploration mode, you're physically moving around the area to try to discover clues and find characters to help further the story. In the interaction mode, you're not moving around, but you're in a fixed place, like in a certain room where you can look around, converse with characters in the room, things like that. Confrontation mode, however, is a special situation, which I'll go into with more detail as we get to that point in the story. And that brings us to story time. You play as the ultimate normal kid, whose name I really do not remember. So I am going to refer to him by the kid that he reminds me of, Shinji Hikari, the protagonist of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Shinji is selected to go to the ultimate high school, which is named in Japanese and I'm not even going to try. Anyway, he gets his acceptance letter from Shinjuku or whatever, uh, which is quite odd because he never even applied. He's been chosen to be one of the dozen prodigy level students that the school accepts each school year, but not for his incredible ability, uh, actually for his normalcy. The school took on a kind of requirement from the Japanese government to take on a normal student each year as a kind of control sample alongside the ultimate prodigies they teach. Shinji is one of these. He leaves home to go to school and is given his school planner, which is essentially an electronic tablet with their student information, school map, and school rules. After entering the front gate, 
Shinji and another character find that the door is locked behind them. They spend a moment worrying about uh, what could that could mean and meet the rest of the cast as they show up and find the door locked as well. Notably, I guess, Shinji is the last one to arrive. The cast is as follows. Definitely with exclusions, because I'm going to forget roughly half of them, even though I cried over their loss. Obviously, like I've said already, we have Shinji, the normal kid. We also have, uh, and I'm not going to give them names because I really don't remember even one of them. Uh, we have the weightlifter. He's a buff dude whose only concern is getting to the gym and working out. We have gymnast, uh, equally buff girl who could take on pretty much anyone in the group in an arm, arm wrestling match. We have the otaku, a heavy set fellow who has an immense knowledge about anything internet culture related or technology related. The critic, another somewhat heavy set guy who has a very harsh opinions on anyone and everything, especially food. The track star, pretty self-explanatory, could crush you between his thighs. The pop star, a literal idol, born into fame, has a very high skill in fashion and social influence, very well liked, but also quite snooty. We have the ninja. Yeah, not sure what you expect here. Who wears black? Knows a lot of really obscure Japanese history. We have our ultimate seamstress. She's got one of the most colorful wardrobes in the group, of course. The gardener. A green thumb. She's small, adorned with mushroom-shaped clothing items. Pretty charming, pretty nice. Very likable. The second control case, apparently. We have a girl in the same position as you. Uh, you make a pretty quick friendship with her. We have the ultimate gamer. Different from the otaku. Won't be caught dead without his mobile gaming device. The equestrian. A horse girl. Very physically fit and knows her way around farm tools and horses. And the bookworm. This girl is very quiet, usually won't talk to you because she would rather read. There may be a few classmates I'm forgetting, and I am actually sure that only about four of the ones I listed are correct. The rest, uh, I, yeah, we know how this goes. Uh, but that's your class. You're going to make your way to the gymnasium following a loudspeaker announcement to do as such to attend the welcome ceremony. When you reach the gym... A tune plays and the lights go out. The lights come back up and there's a stuffed bear on the center podium. One of the students goes up to grab the bear and he moves and speaks up. He introduces himself as Manokuma, the headmaster of the school. He asserts that you are not to touch him without permission. The ceremony continues with Headmaster Monokuma, who informs the class that the gates of the school have been sealed and there is no way out except to kill someone and get away with it. You are then allowed to leave and simultaneously cause the rest of your classmates their doom. The benefit beyond the ability to leave is money, or I guess success in some way. Uh, apparently there's an enormous amount of money and power involved with uh, killing and getting away with it. There's a lot of pressure on each person to really commit these unsolvable murders now, as it's the only way out, and if someone manages to do it first, you'll be sentenced to your death for not having done so. It's a pretty stressful situation, but there are some ground rules. One, you must get away with the murder, 
After the person dies and the body is discovered, an announcement will sound alerting everyone to the location of the body, and, inv and investigation will begin. Everyone will have time to investigate before taking the murder to a class trial, where the majority ruling will take place to uh, determine the murderer. If the murderer isn't convicted, they're set free and granted the money, while the class is sentenced to their death. If you're convicted, you're also executed. The second rule is each student has personal quarters with locked doors, so you have a safe place in the school to stay and sleep. I think there might be one other rule, but I don't recall, and if I remember correctly, it's something like really important to one of the upcoming murders. You're set loose in the school to kill or be killed, and all decide to head to the dorms and find your rooms. Most people are looking to be alone and behind locked doors after the announcement regardless. After a while, everyone gathers in the cafeteria for a group meeting. After gathering that this is indeed not a prank, you all decide to try and limit having people wander off on their own. For their own safety and for others. This is a group expectation that you will be thoroughly ignoring. It's now evening, however, and nobody seems to be very hungry after confronting their near-inevitable end. So, you all head off to your rooms and get some sleep. In the morning, you are rudely awoken by the murder announcement. The first body has been found in the gym where the welcoming ceremony took place. One of the scrawny girls was murdered, somewhat graphically. The game doesn't shy away from the dark side of it. Uh, and uh, some of the situations are quite gruesome, so I will be skimming over them and placing a formal adult supervision recommended warning on the game. The rest of the podcast itself isn't going to go into detail on these things, but just know this is not exactly a game for kids, so I'm not, you know, recommending you go and play it if you're squeamish about those kinds of things. I'm going to go ahead and say that the girl who got killed is one of the five that I forgot, the initial suspects, due to the cause of death, which appears to have been blunt force trauma, is one of the physical types, the gymnast, the weightlifter, one of those. They of course deny their involvement, and you get to work on investigation. Ask around for clues, and I'm going to assume you discovered the murder weapon was actually a fixture in the gym, uh, like one of the movable basketball hoops or something. You utilize this knowledge when it comes time for the class trial. Every remaining living student gathers below the school in the courtroom to discuss the murder and decide on a verdict. I said I was going to explain this part, so here we go. The courtroom segments are split up into different parts where you talk about the evidence that you found and pick apart everyone's alibis. If something someone said doesn't sound right, you call them out on it, and if you're correct, you'll move on to the next segment, but if you are wrong, you'll lose points. Lose enough points, and the class will think that you are the culprit, and you will be executed along with everyone else. Utilize your big, beefy brain to scrutinize the testimonies in the first trial and determine the first murderer, putting a nice big target on your frail, stabbable back. After the trial concludes with the brutal death of the accused, I might add, you return to the dormitory to rest as much as possible after watching that whole thing play out. Your love interest girl, the uh, other control subject, comes to your dorm in the middle of the night, saying that she's afraid, and yeah, obviously. 
I imagine everyone's a little unnerved with the situation. You calm her down and she heads back to her room to sleep. The next morning, the girl is found dead in her bathroom. All suspicion lies on you because she was seen at your door the night prior. Conduct the investigation, proceed to the class trial yet again, clear your name, sending another would-be killer to the gallows. The next murder is the foodie, who was thrown down the locked garbage chute. Track down the owner of the garbage keys and find the troublemaker who stole them, sending them also to their demise via class trial. Now that the class size is a little bit smaller, the second floor is opened up, revealing a lovely workout gym, a pool, a greenhouse, and a lounge with arcade games, comics, and more. The next murder is the Green Thumb Girl, killed in her preferred greenhouse setting. I remember this specific trial being really convoluted when the investigation having pretty poorly developed sections that made the whole experience pretty infuriating. Finish up killing another killer, indirectly of course, and proceed to the next murder. Swarmer gets killed in the gym. Dainty Girl did it, but the jock was blamed for it. Thinly veiled surprises all around. The following murder is the nerdy guy killed in the lounge. There's some deeper forensic investigation required for this one, and it pays off. The whole of the investigation is pretty satisfactory. It leads you through a wide variety of suspects. Unsurprisingly, then, you discover the bookworm girl is the culprit, showing off her brains a little too cleverly and giving herself away due to it. Now that the victim pool has thinned tremendously, the air gets heavy. Everyone has their backs to the walls, and trust is a luxury that cannot be afforded. Someone manages to get away with a murder, but you trace it down. Managing to trace the deed to Headmaster Monokuma and his operator, the goth girl, who, having now been discovered who, for who she is, goes absolutely nuts before being sent to her doom as per the established process. That wraps up the story segment. Lots of twists and turns, and the game carries an obvious dark and edgy feeling the entire way through, which personally didn't mesh well with me. Uh, I felt the game tried to be a little too clever at times and caused some rather major issues for me in actually making progress in it. Uh, there were answers and clues that just didn't make sense until after you had discovered them. So those segments tended to grind to a pretty significant halt, at least for me, similar to uh, Phoenix Wright's somewhat infamous Turnabout Big Top trial, which is just loaded with poor design and red herrings that lead you in all the wrong directions and cause the otherwise great plot to just feel like sloppy and inconsistent. The music always carries a feeling of dread and tension, which for certain moments like the trials is really nice, but it just tends to be a bit much when the whole investigation phase is also surrounded by this stressful sound design. The story also tends to take itself a little too seriously for how outlandish and silly it is at times. There aren't enough lighthearted moments to really give the experience a wide range of emotion, so it stays pretty tense and edgy all the way through. Overall, I do think it's a pretty solid title. I think it's worth playing through. The character design and the writing is very high quality on average, uh, and there's a clear reason that they continued to make more games after this one. With the remastered collection releasing soon as well, I think it's a very great time to get into the series, and maybe a good time for me to finally finish the sequels, V2 and V3. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Hindsight. If you enjoyed it, please leave a like and review. Check out my other podcast, Alter Narratives, which I co-host with my friend Talon. Find me on my socials and Discord channel. All of those links will be in the episode description. Until next time. Do do do